Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with an uber special guest. He's the founder and driving force behind the MS Gym. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Trevor Wicken. Welcome to the table, Trevor. Hello, Brooke. How are you today? I'm awesome, and I can't believe I'm actually meeting you. I mean, we're meeting face-to-face, but not in person, but it's incredible. I mean, I've been around watching you for the last two years, and the rise has been infamous. Yeah, yeah, you are an OG man. You're you're an original gymmer. Yeah, I think were. I was like number two hundred something. Yeah, and I was, was going to say you were in the first two fifty. See, I remember. <laughs> and now uh, you're up to. People, I don't forget the people that got us there. So Aww. you're one of them. So I'm super awesome. honored to be doing this podcast with you and to have you on the team and really to start expanding the message, the vision, and also the resources for the MS Gym. We're super stoked, and uh, I'm, I'm fired up to be here. Awesome. Well, for anybody who's just finding out about the MS Gym, they have been up and running for a little over two years. However, if you don't know what the MS Gym is, I'm going to give you a little tidbit here that'll give you some idea. And I'm reading a quote from the MS Gym webpage. It was kind of a mission of Trevor's. He had finally come to the decision that I have to do something. I have to use this knowledge I have. And this is what he said. He said, I must create a platform to provide MSers with movement training to heal their bodies, mindset training to restore their outlook, and an opportunity to belong to a community where they felt welcomed, accepted, heard, educated, taken care of, and most of all, loved. Would you say, as somebody who's been around for two years, I can tell you, you have accomplished that goal. But I do know that your love of movement training and movement as medicine did not start two years ago. It started way before, way back when I believe a football injury took you out in high school. And it all kind of started there. So do you want to kind of bring us forward from there and let us know how the heck you got to this point and how you are able to make such an impact, which you have? Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, so I mean, it started a little bit before that. I was like 12 years old and I remember sitting at like an outdoor cafe with my dad and uh, I'd always been into working out and sports and stuff like that. And then I was actually bullied as a little kid. And I came home one day after getting like jumped by like three upperclassmen when I was a seventh grader and they were ninth graders, like three of them picking on a seventh grader. They were awesome. Right. (laughs) And my dad comes, I showed up, my face was all bloody or whatever. And I looked at my dad and I was crying. I was trying not to cry because it's like my dad. And he's like, well, buddy, he's like, what do you want to do about this? And I was like, I want to get strong. Like, I don't want to let this happen again. Like, I want to get strong so I can not have this happen to me. And then I want to be strong enough to help other people that are getting bullied. Like, I was 12 years old. My dad built me a gym in the shed in our backyard. And that was my kind of how I fell in love with movement. And then about, I know it's when I was 13, we were at at lunch. And then I was... I was watching this person walk and they were actually walking on a cane. And I can remember I was in Boulder with my dad and he's like, you can see what's wrong. Can't you? I'm like 13. I've never had this conversation with my dad. Interesting. Like they're picking up their hip on the right because their leg doesn't swing forward. And my dad's like, kind of just gave me this look. Right. So then I think then when I was playing football and I was 16, 17, 
I got pretty injured because I, I had some not real qualified strength and conditioning specialists <laughs> telling a bunch of high school boys to go heavier so they can get bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. And I ended up hurting my back pretty bad. And it got to the point where I was, I was doing about probably, because I didn't know at the time, about 12 ibuprofen a day. And uh, I was miserable. Like I would never, it would never went away. So we went to three different physicians who at 16 years old told me that I should just have my spine fused. Oh, geez. And my dad's like, not going to happen. Like that's not going to happen. I mean, in fact, I had one of the, one of the physicians look at me and he's like, you know, exercise doesn't really, really help. Cause I even asked the guy, I'm like, well, exercise hurt me. Can I just reverse it by doing exercises again and make my body work better? And he's like, exercise doesn't work like that. It's only for people that are like looking for like beautiful bodies or something. And I walked out of there and I was like, dude, this guy's no idea. So my dad actually got hooked up with a friend of my mom who was, uh, he was a neuromuscular therapist. And so my dad and I went in and literally within 45 minutes, this guy looked at me and he's like, well, cool, man, you're a swimmer and you're a football player. So you got pecs, you got delts and you got back muscles. That's about it. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, so he did an assessment on me within 45 minutes. He's like, we're going to go, bam, 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 This is how we're going to balance him out. And within two weeks, I started noticing my back pain dropping. And within six weeks, it was like completely gone. I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And I remember that every time I went in to this, this guy named Dale, every time I went into an appointment with him, I'd take that business card and I'd stick it up on one of my awards boards, my medal boards that I got from swimming or trophies or whatever. And I literally had like 40 of these business cards around there. And I created a vision board for myself without really knowing wow. that that's what I was doing. I was like, that's what I want when I grow up. Like, I want to be this guy. So that's where it all started. Interesting. Then you went on to go to college and your concentration was what? My undergraduate was in sports medicine. Okay. And then my master's degree is in performance enhancement. And there was a the course was really based on biomechanical analysis. So we basically would sit there and watch hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours hours of video of people moving wrong. And we would have to figure out what's wrong with them. We would have to look at them, analyze their movement, break it down into slow motion, look for biomechanical patterns, look for the 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 kinetic chain cues, what neurologically is happening, what muscularly is happening, what's happening with with the joints. We got into physics. We got into science we got into all kind into physiology and so i uh i really and i had some tough instructors and i mean they were they were very serious they're like if you're two percent off that could be someone getting injured so we're not going to be two percent off here and so uh that's where i really fell in love with movement stuff like I, I got a lot of good stuff in my undergrad and then i got a lot of that technical stuff in grad school but i really fell in love with working in the underserved populations when i was a sophomore in college my undergrad, I, I worked at this adult fitness program at Colorado State. And my very first client that I had was this like 91-year-old guy that used to be a British commando. And he was like 75 pounds. He had had cancer three times. And he, his wife had MS. So my job was to build her up or build him up. And his number one goal is, I want to get stronger so I can help his wife's name is Rosie. So I can help my Rosie walk better because that's my job as a husband. And so at that point, I was like, okay, these are my people. I've trained over my career. I've trained Olympians. 
I've trained division one athletes. I train professional athletes. I train people that are looking to become professional athletes and I've gotten them better. And that's cool that you get, you know, a $40 million contract for throwing a ball around, but to give someone back the ability to take care of their wife, to play with their kids, to, to pursue that dream they thought was stolen, to stand up and, and extend it and, and improve their quality of life. Like that guy named John at that point, like completely defined the trajectory of, of where I wanted to commit my life. So it's like all these little things along the way really confirmed that uh, that's what I want to do. So we got John better. He gained 57 pounds in eight weeks of muscle mass oh my because, God. We, because we figured it out. And then he ended up, I ended up working with his wife two years later privately and we got her walking again. She was my second true MS client that I ever had. That's incredible. Yeah, pretty cool. So after you left school, what was your next step? And did you stay on the same track? Have you always continued on that same track of movement? Um, yes, in different ways. Like I actually in grad school, I mean, I, my, I was a hundred percent focused on going to med school. I mean, I gave up a lot to do the MCATs to study. I mean, I was a 4.0 kid. I think I had, I, I had like a 3.99 GPA because I got one B in chemistry lab. Uh, ah. <laughs> I had a, like a 399. I mean, I had like 2,000 hours of orthopedic surgical ex- or experience shadowing. I had letters of recommendation written from physicians. I had, I had the package, right? And I applied to med school and I applied to a lot of med school that didn't get in. And I remember an interview that I was at where I, I was sitting in front of a panel of physicians and this guy was asking, asking me about a, a neck injury. And he was talking all about the orthopedics. He's like, well, what kind of approach would you do? Because I wanted to actually be a movement specialist doctor. I wanted to be a physiatrist, which okay. 15 years, or what is that? 20, almost 20 years ago was way different than it is now. They were very rehab based. They were like the directors of rehabilitation programs. They were the one that oversaw the PTs and the trainers and all that. Like that is what I envisioned myself being just like when I was 16, I'm like, I want a clinic that's integrated with medicine and PT and fitness and massage and all that kind of stuff. That was my vision. And so this guy asked me and he's like, well, he's like, so, you know, what would be, you know, the protocol for this, this, this. And I went down this track. I'm like, well, you'd have to do a spinal assessment. I'd see what their walking pattern was like. I'd look at their feet first because their feet directly affect the the neck. I'd also see if, you know, they could possibly get some chiropractic mobilizations to help out with movement to retrain the structure. And this guy just looked at me, this older gentleman, and he's like, you're so off track, son. He's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. And I remember sitting there for a sec, and I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I remember looking around like, this isn't what I want to do. If this is like a top-notch school and this is their thought, I'm like, sir, I feel like you're wrong. Like with all due respect, like here's why you're wrong. (laughs) I I literally was like... I bet he loved you. Yeah, I was like, let me just tell you real quick. And I was like, you know, I I guess we don't see eye to eye. I guess we'll agree and disagree. And I stood up and walked out. And I knew at that point, you know, I wasn't going to get in there, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I was like, well, maybe, you know, some other program will pick me up. And they did. And so... When I got done with, with undergrad, I actually went and got certified as a strength and conditioning specialist. So they are the highest level of strength and conditioning coaches because I'm like, well, this guy Dale was a CSCS, so I'll go be a CSCS. I'm going to follow the guy that started this all. 
So I started with that. Then I ended up actually getting certified as a medical exercise specialist. Then I found that program for grad school. And then that got me all neuro geek or all geeked out on neurology and all that kind of stuff. So in theory, I've been on the same track the whole time, but I've done a lot. Like I've owned, I've owned my own practice since I was 21 years old. I worked for 24 hour fitness for like three or four years. I mean, I worked my way all the way up to top of the club in Fort Collins, Colorado, like all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I've, I've done corporate, I've done performance, I've done clinical and it always came back down to, to my neurologic clients. They were my favorites. They were my heroes. They're the ones that I'm like, I can't wait till I, I get another neuro client, right? And then I actually got discovered through or to, by one of my clients to become the trainer for the Brain Injury Center up in Fort Collins. So I was seeing brain injuries, paralytics, motor vehicle accidents. I was seeing a ton of MSers. I was seeing Parkinson's. I was seeing vets who had PTSD and all this kind of stuff. I was seeing amputees. I was, I just got blessed with all these people walking in that literally became interactive textbooks for my geeked out brain. If I ran into a problem, I would go look it up and figure out why I, why this isn't working. They literally challenged me to use every single piece of my, you know, at that point, it was like a $75,000, $80,000 education to actually be able to apply it, you know? So, so yes, the long-winded answer, like I've always known that movement is medicine. I've always known that the body was, was made to heal because I felt it in myself. I've watched it over 20 something years. And honestly, like the MSers that I work with, they were the strongest, toughest, most like just warrior spirited people that I had ever met. And at the same point, they were so giving they were so committed. They were so loyal. And they were really, really quick to go tell someone else without right. me asking. Like, I didn't need to market at all. Right. It was like, they found relief and they're like, oh my gosh, no one's talking about this. Let me go bring four other people in you. Right. Much like the MS Gym, the explosion Plus, of the MS Gym. Right? It's, it's I remember the first time model. I saw, first time I saw a post about it, I forget who it was. It was a Facebook friend of mine. And I was like, really? And I think I'm pretty sure I invited close to a hundred people at least. You know, just I'm like just going down, yeah, that, them, 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 <laughs> them, them. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody else did the same thing, which of course yeah. led to hundreds of people joining. So right before you started the Ambush Jammer, or when did you get to the point where you're like, that's it, I'm doing this, I'm doing this MS Gym. Well, it was a couple of different triggers, I guess. Number one is that in my career, like as a fitness professional, I, I was constantly limited by time. So you're trading time for dollars as far as a business model goes. And you're also, li- you have no time affluency, meaning that like you can only see one person at a time or small groups at a time. And then that's basically it. What I started noticing is the better and better people got the more I got asked the question, well, do you know anybody in Texas, California, Ohio, Canada, Mexico, blah, 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 or my friend or my mom or my sister that has MS? And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like, I just, I don't know anybody that approaches it like I do. I mean, I'm sure you could, I could give you some resources, but I, I've been so focused on my clients. Like I'm not really that interested in networking and creating this gigantic global network of colleagues around the world. Like, you guys are my colleagues. You guys are my family. Like, 
I am here for you. I'm not here for to sit around and talk about it, right? Right. So, so I just was like, well, you know, and it, it got me because I would, and this lady I remember looked at me and she's like, I just wish you could help my help my sister. I just wish you could help her. And I'm like, well, okay. So the exercises that I gave you, why don't you give those to her and see what happens? And so she did the best she could because I didn't have Zoom or any of it. I didn't know anything about right. Zoom. So I ended up emailing back and forth with this lady for a while. And this lady started to get results. And so she was a sister of this lady who was, and she was in Texas. She started to get results. And I'm like, huh, okay. And I kind of went about my day, right? So, or about my life. And I was like, it always is in the back of my brain. I'm like, well, I want to help more people, but I don't know how. I opened up a brick and mortar business and, and, you know, we were serving medical fitness. I had MSers in there. I had brain injury people in there. And again, it was a time thing. It was only so much of me and there was demand was gigantic. Right. And Misty and I, uh, you know, my wife, Misty and I sat there and we're like, dude, the only way that we're ever going to reach the amount of people that we want to reach is by opening up franchises and satellite or like, you know, satellite clinics and all this. And I'm like, I don't want any part of that. Because I would, I would get so far away from the people. I would not be a practitioner. It would be constant putting out fires, constant managing a business. It'd be like, corporate. It'd all be corporate. Exactly. And that's not what I'm about. No. And so that was, that was one thing. I'm like, I, I, know, I know people are doing this online. And so I'm like, I got to figure this out. So many, many people know that I, I do not have MS, but I have chronic neurologic disease. And I have celiac disease. And I actually have two other parasites that have been in my body since probably the time that I first started working with MSers because it's like my doctor traced it back to 20 years ago. So my body has been neurologically like destroyed. Like, and I didn't know it. I just kept moving because I was an athlete and I was a trainer and I just right. kept moving. Like I was doing 40,000 steps a day like when I had my little counters on, you know? couple years ago i it like my disease was like dude i'm taking you out and it was a relapse it was a major relapse major attack that lasted probably six months where i couldn't use my feet i couldn't use my hands i couldn't lift my daughter i couldn't i was getting double vision my bladder was out of control like i had cognitive issues i was irritable i was depressed i was anxious like I literally was forgetting things I should know. I would end up on the wrong street sometimes going to work, going home. Like it was bad. Wow. And I went from running a 12 and a half mile obstacle race to two weeks later, not being able to walk more than five minutes on a treadmill at one, one and a half miles an hour before I was just done. And it reached a point where it got so bad, it got dark. Man. And I, I thought about like, I, I literally was like, Set a prayer to set a prayer to God. And I'm like, look, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, if you're done, if I'm done, like, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm all good. But if I'm done, I'm done. Like, I'm a burden. I'm a burden to my family. I'm a burden to my wife. I'm a burden to my clients. Like, oh my I can't God. do this. Either take me home now or show me what I'm supposed to do. What I'm here for. What is my purpose on this planet? What did you make me for? And it was like the most silent moment of my entire life because it was at 5.30 in the morning in front of the gym, pouring down rain into pitch blackness. And it was like the most silent moment of my life. And five minutes later, I just kind of like came back to and I'm like, well, I'm still here. Like, I'm, all, I'm still here. <laughs> good, right? But... Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, right? 
at this moment, at that moment, I was kind of like, I just kind of made this decision in my heart. I'm like, I can't let other people suffer like this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but there's thousands and thousands of people out there that need help and are feeling like I am. And I can't let that happen. Like I have too much in my brain and I've seen too many things happen and so many awesome things happen and see how movement has helped people. And I've seen people get out of wheelchairs and, 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 and uh, counteract paralysis and start walking on amputee, uh, amputated legs faster than they ever did with, with regular legs. And I've seen it, right? I've seen lives restored and I've seen movement give people life back. Why am I sitting here in this car when there's thousands and thousands of people that I can help? I got to find a way. And so at that point, Misty and I started really, really, really exploring like the online stuff, how to do it, how to set it up. What does this mean? And what I found is that with researching, there was some online resources for people with MS, but honestly, they were limited. There were more guidelines. I knew that for a fact. Yeah. There were more guidelines versus real step-by-step grab arms with me and follow me programs to help you. Not a program, Um, just guidelines. Yeah. And you guys were completely underserved. And I'm like, we're here. Like, this is what we're doing. So that's kind of where, that's where it all came from. So kind of two different angles, but they converged. It was professional and personal kind of converging at this point where I'm like, my people are out there. I got to go find them. So tell me this, the day that you launched the MS Gym, the day that you went live and you're just like, click and (laughs) sit there and you just wait. What were you thinking at that moment? It was an interesting dichotomy of emotions because I've shared this before, but some of you may not know that are listening to this. So like at that point, I'm going to be real transparent. Misty and I were struggling big time financially because we met, my wife has Hashimoto's. I have celiac and Lyme. Insurance doesn't cover treatment for that because they're pre-existing. So we had literally dropped I think close to four or $5,000 on healthcare. And then our insurance just stopped covering our, our, our baby that we, were, that we just had. So all of a sudden we got slapped with all these hospital bills. And we, I mean, it was bad news, right? And so I had actually been talking to a gentleman who, is, who runs country club fitness all around the country. So they go in and they create these really high-end, pimped out like fitness facilities for country clubs all over the nation. And he wanted me to be that guy. He wanted me to be the director that went and planted, trained the trainers, promoted it, wrote the programs, all this. And they were going to start marketing to the 55 plus population, which was really who I served a ton besides like neurodegenerative was my seniors. It's a gold mine, bro. Like you are our guy. Like I'm going to hand you the reins. You have full benefits. You have, you have almost a six grand year salary. You get to travel for free. You have you have two months off during the year where you get paid leave, which I've never had in my entire wow. life. You have sick days, unlimited, whatever you need. If you need a family day, you take it. And I was like, sat there. I'm like, this is insane, right? So I already had these plans to go live after I was talking to Ken and we worked up, we were working up the strategy. And so on this one hand, I was like, all right, this better work. Otherwise, I'm, I'm out. Like, wow, that was a gamble. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna give this a couple, like, you know, a couple months. But if this if this doesn't start working, like, I I, I got to take the country club job because what else am I gonna do? So I had that in providing for my family and my security for the future. 
since since 93% of online businesses fail within three months. So I I knew the odds and I'd already been screwed over by online people for thousands and thousands of dollars with no results before that. So I was like jaded and I was in self-protection mode. Right. And then there was this self-belief mode where like, like I told you guys, like I was bullied as a little kid. So, and then I didn't get into med school and I did everything perfect. And why? Why, why, why did I not have my dream come true? Right. So I had this, I'm not good enough thing too. And so in my head, I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, hopefully someone hears this. Hopefully someone believes in me. Hopefully someone thinks I know what I'm talking about. Hopefully like this makes sense to people. Like I know it works because I've been working on people for 20 years, but you know, there was this healthy sense of like, what if this doesn't work? Like, what if I get rejected? What if there's just crickets out there? Like, that's a lot to get to go put yourself on camera, start speaking about a neurodegenerative condition online, right? Right. And have people actually be like, this is different. This is simple. I understand this. This guy sounds like he's for real and he's smart enough to be talking to me. Like, big gamble there, right? So I had this personal gamble, professional gamble, self-doubt over here, jaded stuff over here. Like there was a lot of emotion, but I was like, you know what? What if there's someone on the other end of this camera right now that hears this and is like, I've never heard this. Right. This makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. And they leave my first video being like, I kind of have hope. Maybe there's more. I wonder what he's going to say tomorrow. So like that little tiny seed of you, Brooke, and the rest of your family here at the MS gym, like we had already, Missy and I had already thought about you guys for like years at that point. We were waiting. Yeah, we 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 were waiting. (laughs) You guys were waiting. We were developing the vision. And when that vision and that, that, that population, that community come together, that's when things just explode. So I had to literally like reject my fear. My, I always talk about crisis of belief. I had like a half a dozen crisis of beliefs, but I had one vision that gave me enough strength to reject all that crap, press play and be like, all right, what's up, MS Jimmers? <laughs> May 15th, 2017. I mean, that's when it happened, you know? Wow. Now, since that time, which is only two years ago, you went from zero members on the Facebook group to over 19,000 members, close close to 20,000 as, as of yesterday when I looked. <laughs> right. What do you think about that? Well. Are you surprised? I'm grateful. <laughs> I, I mean, I <laughs> so am. So are we. I'm great. Yeah, I'm grateful that that many people, you know, saw what we had to offer, like listen to you guys talk about the MS gym, like, listen to what they're, you know, a lot of neurologists and physical therapists and, and people are, are recommending now. Like, I'm grateful that they listened and I'm grateful that they, they took a chance on me. Um, I'm not surprised at the number because with, I mean, there's like a million people with MS alone in the U.S. It's like, right. and, and, and there's, there's, it, it, it surprises me, it infuriates me and it, it fires me up and infuses me with passion and drive to hear when, you know, MSers are still going to their physicians and people are like, eh, exercise could work or, eh, you know, don't get your hopes up or eh, that might work. If that makes you feel better, like, you know, go for it. But there's not anybody like sold out when there's like 
piles of research out there that talks about neuroplasticity and movement reducing symptoms and threat and poor neurologic output. And I'm like, okay, like if I'm, if I'm the guy to lead the charge, if I'm the guy to lead that angle, because there's some other people doing some really cool stuff out in the MS community for exercise, but we take it from such a neurologic standpoint and neuroplastic, you know, neuroplastic change standpoint, like that's my passion. That's all I've been speaking before it was even a buzzword. And right. so like if I'm the educator for that and I'm the one holding up my, my pen or my sword and charging, cool, like let's go. So I'm grateful. I'm not surprised. Um, I'm, I'm excited. And then there's a part of me that it's a lot like Schindler's List at the end when he's sitting there and he just saved all these Jewish people from the Holocaust and he's like broken. And you're like, what the heck's wrong with you, dude? And he's like, I could have got one more. Like, look at this car. I could have saved 10. Look at this watch. Look at this watch. I could have saved 10. I could have saved five more. Like, look at this clothes. I could have, I could have traded this in and he's getting righteously angry about the fact that he didn't do more. Like, it's great that we're almost at 20,000 people, but I need more people taking action steps to actually make a difference instead of just being part of a community and just watching. Right. Like, so until I get someone to actually believe enough in themselves to, to press play, to take that step, to sign up for a free guide, to step into a webinar, to sign up for an email, just to see what this is all about. Right. Like, just to feel it out. Just take a look. Exactly. Like, that's the only way that I feel successful because otherwise they're just vanity metrics and it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me to be like, oh yeah, 50,000 people. Well, right. we're still only having, you know, a thousand MSers really getting results. And what the heck else are we doing for the other, like, why are the other 49,000 people still waiting in the wings? Right. And they could be getting better. Right. So that's kind of my philosophy. So it, it's cool to watch, like it's a cool milestone and it's cool to see everything growing. But I need to see those numbers turn into actual life victories for me to get like super fired up. I get it. I get it. Um, okay. So the foundation of your business is neuroplasticity. Can you give a simple explanation, maybe a non-geek version, or maybe both versions of what neuroplasticity is? So... Yeah, I can do both, right? Like okay. both in, in one statement, like without going super geek or super, super simplistic. All it is, is that it's your neuroplasticity is your brain's ability to change. And it's your brain's ability to change based on the specific activities that you, that you practice for, that you train for, right? And the thing is with MS is that, you, you know, lesions happen. And when lesions happen, disruption happens in the neurologic signaling in your body. So if I have a nerve, and this is very simplistic, but if I, and this isn't even true, but if there was one nerve, there's thousands and thousands, but one nerve that connects your brain to, like, let's say me lifting my arm above my head. And that nerve, because of a lesion somewhere in my brain stem, my cervical spine, my thoracic spine, spinal cord gets a lesion on it, that means that the bridge is blown up. Like, it just doesn't work anymore. It goes from an eight-lane highway down to a one-lane dirt road, right? It right. goes so slow. Right. The signal never actually gets there. It's so slow. So what the brain does is that there are 9.6 quadrillion neural networks in your body. And for every muscle fiber that actually moves, there's like a ton of nerves that innervate, right? So it's like one nerve and like 
150 neural fibers or something like that. Okay. So with neuroplasticity, if we still train a shoulder to be a shoulder and we start increasing the brain's awareness to connect back in with that shoulder again, despite the fact that there's been a neurologic disruption or a, a bridge blown out, we start to take the side roads, we start to access the back roads, we start to develop this, the, the alternate routes that go to that shoulder because your body's not designed with one, one nerve coming from your brain going to one shoulder. Like it, Your brain is smarter than that. Right. Your nervous system is smarter than that. There are thousands of nerves that go into moving your shoulder, lifting your leg, breathing, all that kind of stuff. So if one of the major highways gets blown up, we just activate and access through movement other alternative pathways to work around that MS damage to start training that arm how to move right again. And it's difficult at the beginning, much like watching a new baby trying to trying to walk. Is it slow? It's clumsy. It's kind of like inconsistent. Some days you may be right on, some days you may not, because you're li you're literally learning a new movement language. Right. And neuroplasticity, they used to think that your brain didn't change. I'm like, well, and I asked this in high school, why is it that they say that the brain can't change, but yet people that are like adults, 50, 60, 70, can move to a new country and learn a new language? Yeah. The brain has to change, right? Yeah. So my biology teacher was like, Oh, yeah, I guess that would make sense, wouldn't it? So it's the same thing. Like neuroplasticity is learning a new movement language right. and a new mindset language to change the way that your body moves and the way that your mind thinks in order to elicit a result that you want out of your life. Is that simplistic? And yet. Yeah, I love it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting here totally geeking out with you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I get all fired up. Look what you're doing to me, Brooke. I'm getting all fired up. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Tell me this. Let's say I'm an MSer. And today, just today, I found out about this MS gym. I had no idea that you existed. Don't know anything about neuroplasticity. What would you tell that person is waiting for them inside the MS gym? Come here. Come with me. And here's what I want to do for you. So the MS gym is built on three things. It's built on movement. Well, I would say four. Movement, mindset, education, and community, right? What you need in order to, to what we've seen is for an MS or truly heal is, number one, you need to learn how to move your body right. Because move, your brain has three functions. Number one is survival. Number two is movement. Number three is proprioception, meaning your brain knows what it is doing and if that is effective. So number one, we've got to teach you how to move in a way that is non-threatening to your brain to reduce that survival mechanism. Once we start moving better in the body, then you start seeing threats drop because the brain learns that even with an MS leg, uh, when you stand on an MS leg, it can still be strong again. So as you start to create more safety in the brain for moving, uh, then you start to move better and the body actually unlocks other movement patterns as it feels safer uh, with movement in general. And there is a physiologic fact that movement actually inhibits what are called nociceptors in your brain, which are your threat responses. They okay. cause your MS symptoms. So okay. every time you move, you actually counteract your MS symptoms. And the more highly skilled you get at inhibiting nociception in the way that you move, the more highly skilled you get in counteracting MS. That's step one. Okay. Step two is, is that you actually have to believe that you can heal. You have to reject a lot of the prognosis you got. You have to reject 
a lot of the abandonment that you've gotten or, or social judgment you've gotten or broken relationships you've had or losses of dreams that you've had. You've got to get your mind right and get focused on the fact that you have, you can heal, but you're going to have to make some lifestyle choices and some lifestyle decisions to allow that healing to happen because you can't just fit in exercise. You've actually got to create space for it. Yeah, you've got to believe that even during the ups and downs of your progression, that you are continuously getting better. So the third piece is education, is that the more I educate you as an MSer, the more knowledgeable about that you're the more knowledgeable you're going to be about your condition, which means that you're first of all, you're going to be like, the more I know, the more hope I'm going to get. Because the more I learn that there is a solution to counteracting MS, how could you not build more hope? Because I have I have over 1,200 testimonials saying so. And furthermore, one of the biggest threats of MS is the unpredictability. You don't know what every day is going to bring. And so by learning about how MS works on your body and knowing what setbacks may happen, that how to get out of those setbacks and what the path looks like as you actually start to work on counteracting your MS, it decreases your threat levels as well because you have more knowledge and you know what to expect. And then the fourth thing is community. It's, you can't do this alone. You just can't. The bad days for an MSer are 50 times harder than the bad days of, of a quote-unquote non-MS or a normal person, right? Right. You know, some people don't like the word MS or right, but person with MS, okay? I have so, no problem with that. <laughs> I, I know. You refer to yourself as that. I am one. Right. But no disrespect to anybody. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it's that much harder because you're not only you're not only emotionally having a bad day, but physically your body just turns on you and you don't know what the heck's going on. Right. So by having a community of people that has a large spectrum of experience, you're bound to find someone in the MS gym that has been right where you are with the right with the exact same problems you have, the exact same threat buckets that you have that actually overcame their crisis of belief, started moving, started believing, starting ask, started asking questions for coaching, and has actually overcome a lot of those symptoms to get small victory after small victory, and their life has changed. You need all of those components to heal. Like You have to have the technical part. You have to have the emotional part. You have to have the educational support, and you have to have the social interaction because like, there's nothing more powerful than a bunch of people who have been where you have been telling you, I was there too. This is what I do. This is what I did. Follow me. That's what the MOC and what, what the MS gym is all about is creating a culture like you stated at the beginning where you are understood, you are accepted, you are loved, you are met where you're at, you're educated, you're empowered, you're encouraged, but at the same time, you're validated in the fact that you will struggle, you are struggling, and you can make it through it. So we're not a commiseration community, and we're also not Disneyland where we just, everything's positive, we can't right. say anything about struggling. You're like, we are real. Like, right. this is life, man. This is an MS lifestyle together. I hope you all enjoyed part one of my two-part interview with Trevor. Be on the lookout for part two within the coming week. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the MS Gym podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. You can also find the MS Gym on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want to know what I've been up to lately, go to brookslick.com or follow my MS journey at msslick.com. Have a great day, and we'll see you on the next episode.